I closed my computer and I cried out to God and I said, God, if you were with Joseph, what did you say to him? Because mm. you're a God who communicates with us and I've got to know, I've got to know, what did you say? On the Choose to Think podcast, I will encourage and empower you to engage and optimize your best thought life in practical, meaningful ways so that you can live day by day in joy, peace, and God's purpose despite all externals. This is Victoria, and welcome back to the Choose to Think podcast. I'm so glad you're here. Welcome back, everyone, to the Choose to Think Inspirational Podcast. I am so glad that you're here. You hear me say so often, I'm so excited. I have a special guest for you today, but I'm, again, just doing those backflips that I do because I have Carol McLeod on the show today. Maybe some of you know her. Let me tell you a little bit about her. But before I do, Carol, welcome to the show. Thank you, Victoria. I've been excited, too. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's so good. I'm so excited. Okay, so Carol is a sought-after speaker, best-selling author of 15 books. Oh, my goodness. I could just stop right there and the host of two successful podcasts, including Jolt of Joy. And you can see it on her face, can't you? That's the first thing when, when we got on this video chat, I thought, oh my goodness, it's just written all over Carol's face. She has a, well, Jolt of Joy is a podcast on the Charisma Podcast Network, which is ranked in the top 5% of podcasts internationally. You're like my hero. And the other podcast, Significant Women, which is ranked in the top 10% of podcasts worldwide. Congratulations on that. I know that's not easy. Oh, her weekly blog, Joy for the Journey, has been named to the top 50 faith blogs for women, and her version devotionals have been enjoyed by nearly 4 million people around the world. In September, she's prepping to launch a weekly TV show called The Joy Life. Known for her great joy and enthusiasm, Carol encourages and empowers women with passionate and practical Bible-focused messages. I love that, both passionate and practical. That's kind of my heartbeat, putting the, you know, we have the scaffolding, but let's put the meat on that. And how does it really apply to our lives? So I love that connection there. And of course, she has, she's all of this interspersed with her own special brand of hope and humor. Now, the, we're going to get into some of that, but I'm also, I want to just out of the gate, talk about meanwhile. That's really where we're going to start. This is the 15th book, I guess, right? Right. Yes. Okay. And recently released. Yes. Just the summer. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. And it's called Meanwhile. So let me just tell you a little bit about Meanwhile. It examines the life of Joseph in the book of Genesis and shares how his journey parallels our modern lives today. Like Joseph, we often find ourselves in the quote, meanwhile, the choices of others created Joseph's hardships, yet he rested in God's promises and stayed focused on his purpose and his calling. Why did you choose to write this book? Number 15, what, what's it all about? I've known, Victoria, that I have books inside of me ever since I was just like a little girl. I just yeah. prayed that God would open that door. And 
really at my heart, I am a Bible teacher. I love teaching the word and I'll do it any way I can. You know, I'll teach the Bible to my dog. if Nobody else will listen. <laughs> I'm so pervasive when it comes to that. But when the Lord opened this door to do, um, you, you know, we've done these Bible studies in our churches for years with the book, um, the leader's guide and the eight teaching video series. Like I, I was in the starting gate. I was just ready to burst forth. And so that's what meanwhile is. And I always knew I wanted to start with an Old Testament Bible study. Um, I think that maybe as evangelical Christians of the 21st century, we're a little bit afraid of the Old Testament. Now, you know, we love Philippians, give me some Thessalonians. But when it comes to the Old Testament, we think, God, where were you like in the wars and in the fighting and, and where were you in all of that? So I love searching for gold in those Old Testament verses. And Joseph has always been my favorite Old Testament character. Like his, his story reads like an unbelievable movie plot. How could so many mm. bad things happen to one person? Right. And so I chose Meanwhile, and I have been, you know, eyeball deep in his life for the last two, two and a half years. And it's strengthened my faith. It's, um, caused me to believe that God is who he says he is. It's, it's helped me go through hard things in life, Victoria, because none of us has promised an easy life, right? Wouldn't we love that? Mm -hmm. um, but the story of Joseph is every person's story. Mm -hmm. And the way he got through hard times is the way that we should get through them as well. What did you discover about Joseph, Carol, as you were researching? Does anything pop into mind? I mean, we all know about, quote, know about Joseph, but as you were digging deep, what did you discover? Well, one of the things I discovered, Victoria, that, you know, his story is in Genesis. It starts in chapter 37 and goes through chapter 50. So it's actually one of the longest stories of a single person in scripture. Mm. So that's surprising. Okay, another surprising thing that I learned in my studies was that um, not only is Genesis the first book of the Bible, it's also the foundation of the Bible. So found in the book of Genesis are foundational lessons for our faith in Jesus Christ. Mm. So we've got to look at those things and see how they translate to our lives today. And so, of course, in Joseph's story, there's so much I could share, but I, I think I'll just land with the overriding theme, which is Genesis 50, 20. And mm. so this is at the end of Joseph's life. You know, he was probably sold into slavery by his brothers about 40 years earlier. Um, you know, they've reconnected in Egypt. He saved nations from starvation. His dad has now gone to um, heaven. His dad has died and his brothers were afraid. They thought, oh no, now that our daddy's gone, Joseph is going to get rid of us. And, and Genesis 50, 20, I, I can picture it, Victoria. So there they all are past middle age, you know, they got those long gray Hebrew beards. Yes. Some of them are probably bald at the top. You know, they're probably paunchy, like, right. you know, like happens to all of us. And Joseph looked into their wrinkles and into their pain. And he mm. said, guys, listen to me. What you meant for evil, God used for good to save a generation alive. 
And Victoria, we must use that principle as a foundational truth in our lives. It must be one of the pillars of our life Mm -hmm. that we serve a God who's so powerful and so good that he can take any human event, any abuse, any disappointment, any trauma or tragedy, and he can makashaba it for good. So the Hebrew word there is makashaba. God meant it for good. And this Hebrew word means like a creative imagination. It means an invention. It implies forethought Mm. and planning. So God looked ahead down the corridors of Joseph's life, knowing how his brothers were going to treat him. And he said, I'm going to trump that. I'm going to use Joseph to save a generation. And if Mm. God did it for Joseph, he'll do it for us. Mm. He'll take all the pain of our lives and he can use it for a greater good. I love that about the life of Joseph. That is powerful. And I'm thinking, the first thing I think is that sounds so wonderful, but let's say there's a listener who says, that's just not for me, or where, you know, there's a gap there. Like I have this knowledge about Joseph, about God, about his character, his ways. I know the word, but yet I'm kind of right here. And this is so painful and difficult. And it's such a trial. I can't bridge the gap between who God is, who he says he is, what he says about my circumstance and all the feelings and emotions and thoughts that I'm having in the here and now. Do you have any tips on maybe how, how do we, how do we hold on to the hope that we have? How do we stay focused on, on God like that through such trials? Yeah, Victoria, actually, I am so glad you asked me that question and I'm, you know, going to go be very vulnerable for a minute for your listeners. Okay. So the final edits for this book and Bible study, meanwhile, were due in December, Christmas, my favorite season of the year. And I'm working hard with the editor to finish it. And it takes so much time to edit a book. And right in the middle of that, our family went through an unbelievable tragedy. Um, We're all okay. We're all alive. Um, But it's Mm. Christmas. And we're dealing with this pain and all my kids came in to help um, deal with it. And I had to get up early to finish it. Cause you know, when you're under contract to a publisher, you, you gotta do it. Right. And so I got up about five in the morning and I was editing meanwhile. And I got to the part of the story, Victoria, where I was emphasizing the fact that the Bible says the Lord was with Joseph. It says that time after time after time, like for your listeners Mm. today, read the story and circle every time it says the Lord was with Joseph in the pit, in prison, in Potiphar's house. And, And so, you know what, Victoria, I closed my computer and I cried out to God and I said, God, if you were with Joseph, what did you say to him? Because mm. you're a God who communicates with us. And I've got to know, I've got to know, what did you say when Joseph's life had imploded? And you know what, Victoria, I heard the sweet whisper of the Holy Spirit. My Christmas lights were twinkling on the tree. And I thought, how will we celebrate this year? And I heard the Lord say to me, yep, yeah, I did. I, I talked to Joseph. 
you know, part of my question to God was the Bible tells us what he said to Moses, to Daniel, to mm -hmm. David. I had to know what God said to Joseph. And although I can't verify it scripturally, this is what the Lord whispered in my ear that December morning, the Lord said to me, Carol, I told Joseph, I'm not done yet. I'm not done yet. Mm -hmm. And so for your listeners who are in that place of pain that I get, I want to tell them that God's not done yet, that he's with you. Don't ever doubt it. Even when you feel like he's not there, he's there. You know, as believers, we have to determine what feelings are telling us the truth. Mm, you know, feel, a lot of feelings are real. Okay. But what feelings are telling you the truth? Because the Bible says, Jeremiah says that the heart is deceitful above everything else. And our heart is the birthplace of our emotions, of our feelings. So your feelings are not George Washington. They don't always lead you to truth. And so we have to determine which feelings are truthful and not, which feelings are healthy or not. Um, so we, we've got to determine that when we're in a place of pain and we've got to lean into the promises of scripture that tell us now the scripture is all true. And the scripture tells us the Lord is with us. So if you're in a place of pain today, you know, I, Victoria, I, what I've had to do in my life in hard things, cancer, um, infertility, depression, prodigals, um, is find a fighting scripture. So when the battle mm. is coming toward me, I hunker down into the word of God and I find a fighting scripture for this particular battle. And then I sing it. I declare it. I memorize it. I write it on my bathroom mirror. I write it on my kitchen cupboards. I share it. Um, and that fighting scripture becomes my reality during a time of pain. Mm. Oh my goodness. You're preaching to me too. I just, <laughs> it's so encouraging, so encouraging. And you, the passion with which you shared that story. And thank you so much for being vulnerable. I know that that's not that's not easy, but the, the, the passion that's there, it's, it suddenly I, I'm like, I believe her. I believe <laughs> that if she can do it well, maybe I can too. When I go through a tough time, I really like how you emphasize not giving way to every feeling and allowing the current of the current feeling just to sweep us away down to to places in our mind that they're not truthful and they may be just toxic and dark. And I have this visual image of, of, of a door, like the threshold of a door and, and you, you open the door and all you see is darkness. And you know how doors have doormats, like you may have welcome at the front of your house. And, and so there may be plenty of different labels on those doormats inviting you to just come on in and I cannot tell you the times I've stood on the doormat and maybe the doormat said was self-pity or life's too hard or some kind of god-limiting thought or concept that I've been you know dabbling with and I just stand there and I'm like oh my goodness 
Victoria, do you really want to go through this door? Do you really, what's on the other side? There's no good thing there. And I don't want to partner with the enemy of my soul and play right. on his team, so to speak. Right. I don't want to armor up for him and agree with him. So it's this such a, you know, I, I use that visual image when I'm feeling a little bit off. I'm like, okay, hold on. What am I standing on right now? What is the message? What are those feelings and emotions and thoughts that I'm having that are, that are tempting me to go to a place that would be of no benefit at all? And so the contrary image to that that I have is one of the garden and being in the vineyard and toiling and worshiping, working or worshiping alongside Jesus, yoked to him in this garden, this image, that's where I want to camp out. Not that it's all hunky-dory there because, you know, birds fly overhead and what do they drop? You know, bird dew with seeds in it that may not be healthy seeds. And, you know, we could keep going with that analogy, but, but the point I'm trying to make and what you, I think one of the points you made is about our emotions. Do you remember a time in your life when you were so emotionally driven for me, it was like in my 20s and 30s and even my early 40s, emotions were, I just went with them, it, but now I don't. And I don't know whether that's just my growth in the Lord or, you know, better management of my thoughts. I, you know, I'm not sure, but do you remember that those times when you just went with your emotions, like whatever, you just went with it? Yeah, I do, Victoria. You know, I'm thankful that I, as a, even as a child, I had good discipleship and good training. Mm. Um, and so my mom and my dad, my dad, especially a general of the faith, because I was a very sensitive child, I was melancholy. Mm. Um, I felt so strongly yeah. that they really made it part of my discipleship to help me with that. But in my thirties, I went through a deep, dark depression, which mm. a depression, sometimes it's a feeling, but not always, you know, I, I, I get that. Um, but I, I want to tell you a story that will sort of answer your question. So I was going through a hard time in my marriage. Like what woman can't relate to that? Even though I'm married to a man of God and I love him so much. It was like, he's driving me crazy. I don't know <laughs> if I can do this, you know? Right. And so I was telling my mentor, I was saying, well, I just feel, I just feel, I just feel. And she said, Carol, stop. She said, I don't want to know what you feel. I want to know what you believe. She said, let's talk about your belief system. And Victoria, she stopped me in my tracks that I was making decisions on a daily basis. The silent treatment, you know, not being sweet, all, all the things that wives do gotcha. based, based on feelings rather than on beliefs. And she said to me, do you believe? that God brought him to you? Do you believe what the Bible says about marriage? Do you believe you can make it? Do you? And I was disarmed in that moment. I was disarmed. And, and so I've used that phrase on myself because I needed to many times in my life. Carol, let's stop thinking about your feelings. Let's start thinking about your belief system. Mm. What do you believe? And that changed everything for me, Victoria. Yes, there's a place to be emotionally expressive. And like you've 
were drawn to Joseph, I've been so drawn to David. Matter of fact, I might have said that David was written about more than Joseph. So that was a surprising little tidbit that you brought to my attention. Well, let me just address that for a minute. Yeah. So it's the longest story as far as uninterrupted. It, oh, it's just, okay. yeah, I think I, we'd have to look it up and we, wouldn't that be a fun thing to look up and see <laughs> how many verses, um, but it's the longest uninterrupted, you know, those so many uninterrupted chapters. Cause in David's story, which is told in several yeah. different books in the Bible, right. you know, you're getting a lot of different Choppies. things. Right. Right. As you go along. So interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm so drawn to his life and especially the Psalms because they were so emotionally expressive. When I was coming out of a time of depression, also, I, I had to learn how to kind of take the thoughts captive because neuroscience would tell us that thoughts take up their, their residence, their proteins, chemicals, they actually have structure to them in our brains. And in turn, they would influence our mind, maybe familiar with Dr. Caroline Leaf and her studies and so forth. Yes, yes. Yes. And so from there, our, our thoughts can kind of like produce our feelings and emotions, or at least um, guide them along. And then which in turn, would influence our behavior. So if we can kind of keep a close, our behavior will eventually follow suit. And we can kind of direct ourselves differently and perhaps in healthier ways. For me though, when I was coming out of depression, I couldn't just say, I'm not going to feel anymore. I still had to process all those feelings. There had to be a place for me to really just vent to the Lord exactly what I was thinking and feeling, even though I knew they weren't in my best interest to engage in those kinds of thoughts. And that's why I was so drawn to David because the Psalms are so emotionally expressive. What I missed at that time was how David ended so many of his writings. And it was always with praise. And they, sometimes he bookended this, a Psalm with praising God to start, and then he'd get into the nitty gritty, and then he would wrap it back up with his great adoration and love for God. And that was a missing element for me. I just wanted to give all the, you know, the icky stuff in between and just leave it out there. And maybe there's a place we're all in different levels of our journey, but that's kind of how it looked like for me when I went from being emotionally driven to suddenly being aware of my feelings and emotions. And then in turn to saying, okay, I'm going to process these with God and I'm going to vent with him, but I'm not going to ignore this important aspect there. As Western women, we allow things that were meant to be small to become big emotionally. And, and to me, that's the challenge. Like, so are you going to ruin your wedding day because of a broken fingernail? Are you going to spew anger all over your two-year-old because he's acting like a two-year-old? He spilled his milk. Now there are things worth grieving, Victoria. Mm-hmm. There are things that are worth processing and dealing with pain. But I think as disciples of Christ, as, as women, um, who desire to honor God, we have to be very careful to keep the minor things minor Mm -hmm. and not let them explode in our emotions bigger than they were meant to be. We cannot allow a speed bump to become a mountain. And I have been guilty of that. Often some of our worries, I think, are about our loved ones. You're only as happy as your happiest child. We grieve with them, we hurt with them. 
And one thing is I'm now parenting adult children and have really transitioned. They're all, I have four children. They're all adults. They're, they're all married, you know, with families and so forth. My favorite phrase to speak over my children is God is enough for them. God is enough for my daughter. God is enough for my sons, my in-law children. God is enough for my husband. God is enough for my parents as they're aging and dealing with so many issues that come as we age. I can't do anything about a lot of those things. I can't control the behavior of someone else. I can pray, yes, but what gives me a lot of comfort is just knowing that God's enough for them. And I say that phrase a ton. God is, yeah, God is enough for them. He's enough for me. God is enough for me through the ups, through the downs. He was enough for Joseph. Mm -hmm. He was enough for you, for your family going through the tragedy in December and whatever is carried forth from that. He's enough. And we know his grace is sufficient, but I love just knowing that he's enough. He's my portion. He's my lot. I want to read a little part of your book. Meanwhile, when you're ready to see it, if you're watching on YouTube, as I'm thinking about looking at the structure of your book, I love the layout, Carol. It's you've got five days total, which gives us, you know, two extra days if we need them. A lot of quotes inserted, reflection questions for journaling. The last little section is the Joseph principle. And you highlight a particular general of the faith. Corrie ten Boom is one I just flipped to that we may know their names, but you just give us a little bit of graphical information about them connecting it to that theme for that week. So I love that particular layout. As I was going along, the, the word thoughts jumped out to me. And some of my, my listeners, you were talking about dreams though. Many of us are now dreaming after we launch our children and suddenly we're thinking, okay, you know, take a deep breath and what's next? What's the next season of my life going to look like? And so some of the questions that hold listeners back, or it even could be that younger gal, maybe just finishing college, but I am just a mom with lots of children. I don't have time for a dream. I am overweight and deeply in debt. Certainly God doesn't have any magnificent plans for my life. I am uneducated, depressed, divorced and kind of fill in the blank there. You say, stop giving God your excuses and give him your heart. Give him your availability and your time and give him your future. How would we go about doing that? It all starts with intimacy with Christ, Victoria. And I want to take the Christian ease out of that a little bit, the, the religious feeling out of that a little bit intimacy with Christ. Well, how do you build intimacy with anyone? Mm. You spend time with them. You talk and then you're quiet and you listen and you hear their heart and you serve that person. You, you show your love in tangible, expressive ways. And, and so if you want to know what God's dream is for your life, and he has one, you, you didn't lose out in the dream category. He's got a plan and a purpose for your life. Um, Jeremiah 29, 11 means exactly what it says. It means that he's got good plans for your future. Um, it, it says in the new Testament that we're God's masterpiece created for good works. So you are 
you are a masterpiece and God created you for purpose. He, he has a list of things for you to do. So it begins with intimacy with Christ. Like he doesn't want you to do anything for him until you spend time with him. Mm. And so as you spend time with him, you know, you read the word. If you don't know where to start, um, start in Psalms, like Victoria said. Uh, buy a good Bible study. Um, if you go to my website, carolmccloudministries.com, there's a, a year-round Bible reading program. Buy a chronological Bible and just go through it. Um, but it starts by reading the word. The next step is just talking to God, you know, just mm -hmm. sharing your heart with him like we've already talked about and then listening to him. You know, I'm sure you do this too, Victoria, but I have a little journal that I write down as I'm praying, I, the things I'm praying for, the things I'm asking for, and the things I've heard from God. So when you hear something, like you might hear the phrase, church nursery, oh yeah, the kids pastor at church is always up there talking how they need help. Well, that's not nothing. That's God directing you. You know, you, you might hear something like, oh, that's right. That lady down the street, her husband just died. Hope she's okay. Well, that's not nothing. That's mm. God reminding you that she needs a friend. So hearing God's voice is not rocket science, Victoria. Like if I can do it, anybody can do it. Spend some time in worship, but then let me even make it more practical. So what do you love to do? Like, what is it? Like, do you like to read? Do you like to hang out with small children? Do you like to eat foreign food? What are some of the things you love to do in life? Write those things down and ask for God to give you direction. Ask for him to show you. Because generally, our passion in life, if it's a healthy, good one, is what God has placed in your heart mm -hmm. to accomplish during your tenure on planet earth. You know, Victoria, part of my story is when I was in the second grade, I was so shy, so insecure. My teacher was worried about me. She thought, oh, this, this girl will never survive. So the first Friday of second grade, she handed me little house in the big woods. And she said to me, I think you're going to like Laura. I'll never forget it. Oh, I'm going to wow. cry. I think wow. you're going to like Laura. And I read the whole book in one weekend and I brought it back on Monday. And I said, could I have the next one? And Victoria, it, I knew, I knew I loved words. I loved the power of words mm -hmm. and I wanted to be Laura. I, I wanted to tell stories. I wanted to communicate with a generation. Well, why did, why do I love words? Because it's my calling. It's what God has strategically outfitted me for. So what do you love? Do you love animals? Do you love creation? Like write it down and ask God to show you how you can use that love, that passion for his kingdom's glory. He'll do it. I marvel at how we started kind of really with the hard stuff like in Joseph's life and then how he worked through that, knowing that God would turn that all into good and how this revelation that you had, even I'm not done with you yet. So we can have those dreams. And now we're talking about just our passions and the things we're good at, the things that come easily to us. And 
we can tap into those and run with those because God's planted those in our hearts. And when we're, when we hit those tough times, because we will, and it's not just a cakewalk, but when we hit those, we can know that God's still a part of that. And he will bring us through that but toward the very end of the book. It's the last Joseph principle. And are you sure I'm not giving this away? No, I love it. Do it, Victoria. Okay. Think, yeah. <laughs> because it. it says the most important person. And, and I'm just going to read it. It says the final and most important person in our line of Joseph-like, God-fearing, uncompromising examples is you. The baton is passed and now lies in your hands. Will you receive it with joy? Will you resolve to live every one of your remaining days as a woman who's, who refused to be identified by her circumstances or pain, but by the God whom she serves? My prayer for you as we close this final chapter on the stunning life of Joseph is that you will move forward resolutely. I pray his presence will be your strength through both pain and celebration. When your heart has been broken by ill treatment or gargantuan discouragement, I pray you will snuggle up into the presence of the Lord. I pray you will run from sin and choose to live honorably all the days of your life. I pray the name of the Lord will be will gloriously fill every conversation into which you enter. I pray you will bless those who have been unkind and that you will minister to those who have who have been cruel. I pray you will hear the voice of the Lord and share his wisdom with those around you. I pray you will store up all the components of an abundant life and generously give it to a world marked by spiritual famine. I pray you will say to the Lord, use me, fill me, sustain me, guide me, let the breath of God breathe upon my soul. I pray you will be more aware of the goodness of God than you are of searing human disappointments. I pray you will live all your days strengthened by his power and blessing those around you. Let it be said of you, God wrote the end of her story and it was glorious. Mm, that's so good. Thank that you. is so good. Thank what, you. what a gifting, what a gifting. Thank you for sharing your gifts with with all of us. And it's, we need that. We need that. We need to lift each other up and we need that encouragement. And we, you have a, you have a voice, Carol, and you have, you have a good crowd listening to you, I would say. And uh, how, uh, you know, what's the word? Just such a blessing that you're using your gifts and talents is to glorify the Lord. You're doing that. And that's so nice to watch and to see and to be a teeny, teeny part of your journey. So tell everybody where we might reach you. Yeah. Well, first of all, thank you, Victoria. It was so kind of you to say, but right back at you, sister, you're being used by God as well. And I celebrate you today. I celebrate you. And I, I want to say one more thing. You know, when you introduced me, it's like, what? Do I really do all those things? Did all those doors really open for me? Mm. And so I just want to say to your listeners today, listen, just do the next thing. Like be kind to your mom and slip mm. a single mom a $20 bill and volunteer to work in the nursery at church. Just do the next thing. Be faithful 
and see what God will do for you. It'll be amazing as well. But your listeners um, can contact me, can reach us at the at the website, which is carolmcleodministries.com. Um, and McLeod is M-C-L-E-O-D. I'm sure you'll have it in the show notes. Yes. But one exciting thing, Victoria, is that we now have an app on your smartphones. Oh. I know, right? So just go to the app store, whether you have an Android or an iPhone, and search for Carol McLeod Ministries. And you can read a blog, listen to a podcast, join a Bible study, leave a prayer request. I tell my team, we finally entered the 21st century. We <laughs> have an app. Yay. So that, yay. But of course, all my books are available on the website, on the app, or at Amazon. Um, I, I love being on social media, not because I'm political or opinionated, but because what a platform to encourage people. So if you're tired of, you know, hearing about people's dog poop or, you know, <laughs> political standings, honey, come to me because we're going to have fun. We're, we're going to okay. be celebrating each other and sharing joy. So on Facebook, I'm Carol McLeod, Bible teacher and author. And on um, Instagram, Instagram and Twitter, I'm just Carol McLeod. Okay, yeah. awesome. Thank you so much, Carol. What a blessing. I loved it. Thank yes. you so much, Victoria. It's a wrap, Brain Changer. And until next time, Dios primero y que Dios te bendiga. Chao.